Hey guys, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Today I'm your host, Raul. Um, let's talk about a few of our sponsors. And I say that in a way where it comes from genuine, <laughs> a very genuine appreciation for, for products that we use that we would invest in. We've purchased uh, ourselves and then built the the relationship with the product and and that's why we use it um for me specifically i i like to wear leather belts instead of cordura or whatever else um, belts are made of these days that just look tacky in my opinion um functional without a doubt uh but i like leather belts uh specifically hearts leather um company belts heartsleatherco.com uh, and that's H-A-R-T-S leatherco.com. And you can find them on Instagram as well. Uh, Brad's such a good dude. And, and if you can imagine ordering a belt, right? Most places have them prepackaged and they come out. And that's that's kind of lame. The the belts that you get from, from Brad are, are hand-cut, hand-crafted, built specifically for you uh, here in America by human hands. That's such a cool concept. Imagine getting a giant rawhide and then cutting the rope size to, or the, the leather size to your, to your waist, like perfectly cut, designed specifically for you. Like that's quality. That's attention to detail. That's a timepiece. So highly suggest those belts. I wear an EDC belt and you can find them on the website, uh, on the, on the, on Brad's website, uh, EDC belts, lighter weight, easy to take on and off. Nothing crazy, right? They look just like good custom built belts. Um, there's also the warrior belt, more of a range belt. So it's thicker, hardier, uh, a lot more material. And that's designed for the range, right? It's a heavier duty belt. So you can carry a load on there as well. Uh, yeah, check them out. And if you end up grabbing some stuff, like I know you will uh, drop code Raul in there and it'll save you a little bit and it, it'll be good for you. Um, another company I want to talk about is Triarch Systems. Great guns, great every type of gun that I've used so far. The 2011, the 17s, the Glock uh, models, the carbines, like just a great all-around product. And I'm not abusive on the guns. I do treat them like they're supposed to be treated and a lot of wear and tear and just consistent action. And that's what I like about that product. Uh, the company uses it. It's just one of those things where we know the people that are building these these guns, and they're just great people. They're quality individuals, and you can go in there, have a conversation. They'll show you around. It's super cool stuff. Um, it's just one of the brands that Feelcraft likes to to work with and represent. So if you want to pick up uh, anything from Triarch, drop code Feelcraft. It'll save you a bit again. Um, good products, good things for you to have. Um, for all my veterans out there, uh, Mighty Oaks Warrior Program, check them out. If if it's something that appeals to you, if you're going through a weird time, it'll help. Uh, the, a good group of guys, and they offer a lot of um, programs that allow you to come in and just get what you need to get to, to get better if you're transitioning, right? The transition period is the weird period. That's the period we want to catch and, and really zone in on and, and help guys with. So... Yeah. Uh, follow our training page, feelcraft.training on Instagram. 
you'll get to meet the whole team, see what the team is doing, meet each one of the, or at least see each one of the guys. And yeah, it'll, it'll introduce you more to the training team that's out on the road doing things with me. Um, today's guest is Craig Douglas from Shiv Works. Get ready for that. We talk everything undercover, program management, program development, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, stay tuned for that, and you'll, you'll be hearing that good conversation that we had. Huge shout-out to Ryan Hoover as well, uh, a big influence in my combatives education. And, uh, yeah, you can find them on Fit to Fight. They're Charlotte-based and just all-around great people. Ryan, hope you're doing well. Hope you're listening. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Raul, and with me, I have... None other than Craig Douglas from Shivworks. I know I posted a little thing on my story on IG and it went crazy. People are already asking when it's dropping and when when that's happening. So uh, without further ado, Craig. Awesome, man. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Thanks for uh, premiering me to your audience. It's uh, good to make that connection. Dude, it's good to have you here in uh, Florida in class. We've been meaning to make this connection for a while, and uh, I, I love what you do, and I love what Fieldcraft does, and it's just uh, it's awesome building our community. So thank you very much. Uh, it's, it, when this one came up and there was that slot to be filled, uh-huh. I was like, I'm in. I'm going. Yeah. I, I, I'm in Arizona, but I can make that. It's important that... Uh, it seemed like the right time, right? And timing is a very right. important thing. So I was like, oh, now's the time. I think three, four years. It's been a minute, yeah. Man, it's uh, like, I want to connect with that guy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, like, oh, I dig this stuff. And, yeah. and like we were chatting earlier, it's, it's that seeing it come together, like, oh, that makes sense because I'm trying to make sense of it while I'm looking at a 30 second clip, right? Which sure. most people can't, <laughs> the, the concept isn't there, right? Cause right. the context is missing. Uh, so when I see it, I'm like, oh, cool, cool. This is probably this and this. And instead of having to guess all the time, right. I was like, I need to just come do this. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled. The class is going really great. And I'm actually going to be looking forward to the, well, I am looking forward to the rest of your programs. Yes, sir. Cause I think it'll just tie everything together for me. It does. And I, you know, I, I'm kind of a macro guy. I, I teach probably five things. If I were going to write my own book of five rings, it, it would probably literally be five things that are expressed in different training modalities and, and different novel environments. So uh, I'm kind of known in the industry for my extreme niche problems. What does a clinch range gunfight look like? What does fighting in a car look like? What does a solo interior movement problem look like? So that's, that's kind of where I tend to dwell. And it's interesting to see the crossover between all these subject areas and how, and and the interrelation between all these, the, you know, the convergences in all these different topics. So yeah, man, I, I, you're more than welcome to come to anything. I mean, having a guy like you in class is easy and uh, and a ton of fun. And it gives me good peer review and audit. You know, it's always, I think you and, you know, when you have a national level guy that comes and does your training and, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm really, really curious what this guy is going to say because he has more than an informed opinion. He's got his own body of work. So I, that's really important to me to, to stay connected with my peers. And, and make sure those guys are kind of keeping me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the way you fine tune even my stuff. You'd walk by and be like, "Hey, uh, just a little adjustment here, a little adjustment there," right. um, and that just that 
that just shows the level of experience and understanding both physically and then what you're seeing in front of you. Right. Cause I mean, me, I can do something and you can do something, but right. watching somebody else do it, uh, that's the key thing, right? We have to be good at those things. And when I saw you doing that, I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's that like high level instructor instruction style that, that I really look for, uh, and for myself to be and in others, uh, because it just, it adds value to people's training instead of yeah. ready up, go psh, psh, ready up. You know what I mean? And they just run drills all day and that's easy, but actually fixing people. I know. Well, it's hard. It's interesting too. When guys like us take classes from other people, you know, we're looking for content. We're looking for delivery and we're looking for instructorship. I'm a total instructorship nerd and, and probably, you know, at 53 years old, it, and, and I was talking with Scott, my AI, about this earlier, the problems with scalability and the problems with how do I take literally my life's work and teach somebody how to teach that? Because a lot of what I teach, as you know, is based on my experiences, especially the ones I had as an undercover police officer. So giving people that kind of experience through another lens has been that's been challenging to figure that out. And Scott's been a really, really good AI for me. You know, he's a phenomenal guy, former Navy SEAL, a third degree black belt in solo Hibero. He's probably one of the top five guys in the Hibero organization. Whoa. Yeah. He's serious, serious jiu-jitsu guy and just a good dude. You know, yeah, he's he is most, for sure. <laughs> he's, a, he's an awesome dude. He's the most uncommando-like commando you could ever possibly meet. Just easy, chill, yeah. goofy. <laughs> ton of fun, man. So he's been really, really, really good for developing ShivWorks content. And uh, he's actually been working on the the AI program. And we had this discussion this morning that I don't have the same perspective that he does because I don't, you know, AI to myself. Right. So he's he's got like all this AI instructorship stuff that he's working on as far as how the PI and the AI needs to needs to work together. Yeah. And I've told him what I need, but what's interesting is seeing his perspective on how he best supports me. And he's come up with a lot of stuff that I hadn't even thought about. You know, and there are a lot of things that he does that work well for me, but I don't know why it works. And he actually explained a lot of that this morning. I was like, huh, that's kind of profound. Yeah. I guess if we're going to do instructorship and instructor development, that's something we need to teach is, you know, how, how, how do you, how do you be a primary instructor? How do you be an assistant instructor? How do you, um, how do you keep from doing things like toggling as he calls it between each other? So the message is not diffuse, you know, and what it truly means to support a primary instructor. Right. So yeah, man, it's, it's kind of exciting times for me and ShivWorks and seeing what's going to happen next. We, We were talking earlier as far as, I was commending you and Fieldcraft on your business sense because I don't have any. You know, I, run, <laughs> I run my business like a dope deal by the seat yeah. of my pants and by my gut. So, um, learning business and and trying to see what's going to happen with me and the brand and the company next is uh, it's just it keeps me interested and it keeps me curious. I'm definitely not bored. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's like another level that. Uh, once you just decide to go for it, I think you'll see. Uh, right. Because I'm listening to the, the, what you're saying about the AI program 
and it's interesting because it, it's such a great idea actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one thing to be like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the PI. This is what I need. Yep. Get it done and we'll be great. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you actually want the interaction, because you and Scott do a great job together um, in your interactions and then his energy is different than your energy. Yep. So the vibe is different, um, but it's both they're, they're both commanding. So it does really well. But if you don't like I don't want to say program that or if, if you don't um, decide that that's a thing then it's harder, right? Then right. you're guessing each other's energy right. instead of having that um, already developed, like an understanding between the two. And having constant discussion about it. Yeah. And why it works or why it doesn't, that kind of thing. So, um, that and, and evolving it. Mm-hmm. You know, something doesn't really exist until you give words to it. Right. So, we, we have a lot of those discussions about instructorship. I, you know, like all my really good friends in the industry, Jeff Gonzalez, Mike Pannone, all the old dudes, we're, we're all instructorship nerds and we all nerd out totally on content delivery, how it's delivered, you know, and, uh, there are things that I do that, that I know a lot of guys have picked up and are doing now, which I think is important. The, the name game, okay. you know, Scott and I, and I taught Scott how to do this. One of the things that's important to me is when I start a class individually, and we did this Friday night, mm-hmm. I go around and ask people to introduce themselves. And after they do, I thank them for uh, coming to the class and tell them I'm gonna do my best to make sure it's time and money well spent for you. Cause I know it's a, it's a big investment. At the end of the class, what you'll see tomorrow is I'll do the same thing except now I'm going to call every single person by their name and I'm going to say, we got 20 guys in class. I'm going to say, Raul, thoughts on the weekend. And I'm going to do that with every single person. So that's something I learned, just kind of figured out for a couple of reasons. Number one, it forces engagement from me to the student, even when I don't want it. So like you, I'm on the road. I think this year I'll be on the road 42 weeks total between open and closed coursework. And I don't teach that much stuff. So I say the same thing every weekend. And it's easy for me when I'm tired and I've got closed coursework with the government during the week. I fly out on a Thursday to hit an open enrollment venue. I do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll fly out Monday, do a two-day gig with the G, and then maybe go home. And I'm just tired, man. Yeah, for sure. As much as I do this and as long as I've done this, it would be very easy for me to disconnect. Yeah. And just go on autopilot Mm -hmm. and let my mouth say the words and do what I need to do. What the name game forces for me constantly throughout the class is individual engagement. So I will, like when you guys are pummeling underhooks today, what Scott and I are doing we're stepping back and we're watching everybody and we'll walk up to each other and I'll say go. And we'll go around. So we got nine, 10 pairs of guys training and we're like, Derek, Dave, Raul, uh, uh, I don't have his name yet. Marcelo, Manny. And, and, we'll, <laughs> and we'll, and when we, when we stump on a name, we'll go in there we'll kind of descend from our perch. We'll go in there on that individual pair. There's probably something that needs refinement because this is new, this is new content. So we'll offer that refinement point and say, Hey man, um, what's your name again? Marcelo. Ah, Marcelo. Mm -hmm. 
Get your underhook a little bit higher up on his shoulder. Uh, okay, now we'll come back. And we do that constantly until both of us have everybody's name. Because it's important to me to thank everybody by name, okay, and send them all, send them home by name and make that individual connection. And it forces engagement for me, even when I don't want it emotionally and I'm just tired and I'm right. tired of saying the same stuff over and over and over. So it's a it's an exercise in mindfulness and it's an exercise in connection. And and the people that do my coursework, they feel it. They know. I mean, it's it wouldn't be the first time somebody's commented on that. And I'll describe it to them. They call it the name game. It's yeah. what we do, you know, and this is why we do it. So stuff like that is as far as building instructorship and eventually working on an instructor development program, I, I that's probably where I'm going next. Yeah, is that kind of thing. That's important, right? Because you see it in class and we were saying it earlier about ready up drills. It's easy to do that. Yeah. It's easy to just be like, all right, thanks everybody. Uh, see you later. Yep. Uh, and I think at some point in training, uh, maybe years ago, uh, it was a thing. Like that was it. You come to you do right. your training later. Everybody's out, right? Let's go eat or something. And Demonstration, even explanation, practical application. It was a very dead, disconnected, impersonal model. Yeah. And with the way the training, and I, I hesitate to call it an industry because right. generally industries have standards. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everything's so random. Right. It's very random in our business. You know, um, one of the things that I see is that just because people are demanding more out of the instructors, they're demanding better content, more mindfulness. They ask questions. They don't just accept what you say. Based yeah, they do on their a, homework, right? They do their homework. Yeah. They don't accept what you say based on a pedigree. They come to class skilled. Yes. And when I started doing this in 2003, teaching open enrollment classes, the number of guys who came to class that had a jujitsu background, there was nobody. It was just old gun guys who were overweight, struggling to learn how to do a hip escape. Now we have guys like, you know, Ruben Alvarez, I know. who's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. You know. That was my opponent today. <laughs> that, was, that was your opponent today because you're about the only one that uh, can handle him. And I figured, and you guys were about the only two in the class can actually like handle each other and challenge each yeah. other. And that's why I put you together in the evolution. And, uh, you know, Ruben Alvarez tapped Ryan Hall. Whoa. Well, I was going to say thank you. So I was texting my girl and about uh, about that, and I was like, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like he paired me with him for a reason. Yeah. Like I get it. Levels are different. Yeah. I'm not at his level, and it, I don't I don't know how long it'll take me to get there eventually, right? Um, but that was like an honor for me to be put there with. I was like, this is only going to make me freaking better. Yeah. This isn't going to crush me. It's nothing that I haven't experienced before. It's yeah. just a different level. Um, so thank you for that. That, that yeah, was absolutely. For me. And what was even interesting about it though, was because Ruben's never grappled with a pistol before, you know, he made some mistakes that allowed you to wail on him. Yeah. You know, and he knew that too. So it was the right pairing. And that's another thing about doing interactive oppositional training mm. is learning, especially if it's a student on student model, like for I sure. do versus Okay, we got a role player or an instructor that you get to wail on. Mine is student versus student. Yeah. You guys go after each other. So that's something that's that requires we, we watch throughout the day who would make a good pairing. Yeah. And we're we're evaluating that literally 
from the moment you guys walk in the door because you're going to get three three evolutions total in the class. You know, you'll get a two-on-one. You'll get the grounded one you did yesterday, and um, we'll, we'll do a third one also. So, yeah. you know, guys get three good, hard tests throughout a weekend. And it works, man. Everybody, it's a fair class. Everybody, regardless of their skill and regardless of where they come from, everybody's going to get challenged, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, you know, we've, you know, from doing the management and contacts portion, I'm a big fan of what I think of as verbal agility Mm -hmm. and social literacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked my way out of being shot in the face a couple of times on dope deals. And that's a big deal with me. And we'll get guys, interestingly enough, who are fit, who are skilled, but are socially awkward. Mm. And because they don't talk good, <laughs> they end up having to use skills and it goes kinetic. Yeah. And and with a guy like that, what's interesting and the idea of being what I like to think of as an interdisciplinary tactician, you know, that guy doesn't really need to spend time on the range. That guy didn't really need to spend time on the gym. Probably what he needs to do is go and roll in Toastmasters mm. and learn how to speak better. Yeah. So, this model and, and this idea of being interdisciplinary, I tell guys, look, I want you guys to have the the handgun skills of a USPSA grandmaster. I want you to have the, the hand-to-hand skills of a guy that fights in the UFC. And I want you to have the verbal agility of a good stand-up comic, hmm. a guy that can run a room, a guy that can stop people in their tracks, bedazzle you just with his language. Talk your way into or talk your way out of things. You may have to talk your way into a draw. You may have to talk your way out of shit getting shot in the face. And that skill, a well-placed word, in my opinion, as as powerful as a hip escape, and that's as powerful as a trigger press. They're all equal as far as their, their power and problem solving. Yeah. Well, one is, one is, is fighting the mind, right? It's contending with the other person's mind right. through words. Cause yep. the word, right. Words are, are a huge deal and how they're used is a huge deal. Um, where the body and, and the equipment are secondary. Right. Right. Um, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, <laughs> the improv or being a comedian, right. What changed the game for me in law enforcement and as an instructor was taking a few improv classes. That's awesome. It was the most the idea awkward I know. <laughs> like, what do I even do? They're like, all right, you guys are on a canoe. Go. And uh, Oh, man, uh, now I'm on a canoe. And why are we going the wrong way? Right. And why is he paddling that way? Right. And <laughs> fish are jumping. He's got to do it. Just craziness. Uh, it, it's chaotic. It's like these drills. They, they become what they should be on their own. Right. And the way the, <laughs> the way those um, little scenarios evolved in that improv class were just wonderful. Yeah. I, I was like, this is what more people need that are socially right. awkward. Right. It'll help you express yourself. You're not being judged. And then you'll actually find that you enjoy mm-hmm. what happens when you say certain things and the feedback you get from the people in the room. Because it was 20 people in the room, two people on stage. And it would just cycle people wow. on. Yeah, Very it, nice. It was it was rough. So you're, all, you're always being observed. Yeah, everything's being the pressure of the crowd. That's great. And, and then, see, I think that's so... That training... Not, which certainly is historically is not thought of as tactical training. I think that's some of the best tactical training there is, dude. 
That's I what a lot really of field interviews do. are, right? Yeah, that's it's exactly improv. what they, it's improv. Yeah. You're, you're trying to figure something out that you don't know, but you kind of assume. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, how can I take this yeah. where I want? Right. Uh, um, and the, those improv things where you can be creative on the fly really help. I think yep. um, it helps on the range. It helps you connect with people of different walks of life. Uh, we see it all the guy with grandpa's gun. And yep. then you see the guy who bought the $4,000 gun, right? You need to be able to connect with those people. Absolutely. And, uh, that for me was just huge. Yeah. Um, I'm a jokester. I, I crack jokes. I'm like super lighthearted. I just like to have a good time. Yep. Uh, at one point I did take myself really seriously when I was younger oh, and yeah. it we, sucked. We all went through that. My life was, mi- was we, we all went through that. <laughs> a huge chip on uh, your shirt. Yeah, man, I yeah. look back and I'm like, I wasted about five years with that chip for no reason. Right. And I could have done so much more. Yeah. Um, We've all got that wasted time. Yeah. And now <laughs> I look back and I'm like, well, whatever. Right? You look back and you want to learn from those things. Yeah. So I don't allow myself to be like that anymore. Yeah. And that's where like the improv works, going to other instructors courses, like yeah. everything is just just fun. And, yeah. and it's, it helps me help others. And I think that's, what's the big drive, right? Absolutely. Uh, finding ways to help other people sure. through, through all of that. You're, you're still in service. Yeah. It's a different kind of service, For but sure. you're still in service. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Actually. And that's, yeah, and that's another reason that I, I don't call them students. I call them patrons. Yeah. It reminds me that they pay the bills. It reminds me that it's about them, not me. Yeah. And you know, I, I think you'd agree there are probably a lot of people in our business that are far more interested in being somebody hmm. versus doing something. Yeah. See a uh, lot of that. And I, I actively crush anytime I start believing, hey, I need to see my name in a marquee or something like that. Yeah. I go out of my way to usually get on the jujitsu mat with the kids that fight in the UFC in my gym and just get beat up man. Yeah. get scuffed up. I'm like, all right, you're not, you're really not James Bond. <laughs> you're really not a commando. You're really not John, Wood. whatever, you know, yeah. but, uh, those kids keep me uh, humble, man. They're, they're super cool, man. And there's a level of that honesty that then shows in performance. It shows in business. It just yeah. shows in your interpersonal, um, communications with others. And it's just one of those things that I think is super important is to go and do those things yep. locally, right? Even at home, right? So for us too, my jujitsu gym is just filled with great guys. Yep. And I go in there, I'm like, whoo, right? It's not yeah, a but, sense of fear. It's like, oh man, here we go. Danger everywhere. Yeah. And either that or you pull up and you see the cars in the parking lot. Oh yeah. God, man, that dude's here today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I don't even know if I get out of the car. You have a struggle. Should I get out of the car? Should I even go inside? You do, you know? Yeah. But you still get that feeling. Oh, he's going to scuff me up so bad. He's going to want to wrestle or he's going to want to yeah. do leg locks or he's going to want to do this or he's going to choke me again. That, Whatever. It's, it, and it's funny you say that because that is exactly what I process. I'm like, oh man, I got to really protect my back now. Yeah, this exactly. Here. Exactly. Oh, this just <laughs> killer takedowns. Yeah. I need to yeah. be better on my feet. Right. Like, right. Ah, should yeah. I just pull guard? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. What I mean? like, it's like, man, I got to teach this weekend. If he gets, if he catches me in a heel hook again, I'm going to be limping. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it, it's, I think everybody does that, man. It's, yeah. and, and you just, you know, you, you know, stick your lip back in your mouth, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's all stuck out. You're pouting <laughs> and, and you go in there anyway, man. And you, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that combat sports reminds everybody, especially cause we all age out. Yeah. You know, we try and stay in the game, but you're, you're an age out. You're gonna get fatter, older, slower. Right. And, um, it, it just reminds you of your humanity. And it also reminds you, dude, nobody wears a cape. Right. 
anybody can have it handed to them by anybody else yeah. on a given day. And and reminding yourself of that, especially if you have a successful business, a successful roadshow, it's important to go back and let those local kids just yeah. beat the tour out of you. For sure. Yeah. That, that motivation that comes from it too, it just, you can't, you can't replace that only on the road. Yeah. Like the road's only going to give you certain things. Um, that, that grounding and doing stuff locally definitely helps. I like, I, I like what you said about, uh, again, industry stuff, right. Where we call people, uh, students or, you know, yeah. paid customers, even right. like that. I think that's almost like in a degrading way, uh, in, in a sense, by the nature of the word. Yes. Right. Yeah. They're paying for a service. Right. Uh, I, I talked to a few people in, in, in this business and, and even other instructors. And I, I use more of the term like investors, like these, yep. these people are investing their time and money. And That's like a great you word. said it, um, like you said it in day ones that the name game, uh, it is an investment. There is money being spent. There's yep. time away from family. And if you're giving them shit products, what was their investment worth? Right. Right. These people trust us with information. They trust us with drills. They trust us to give them something in that small time that we have with them. Uh, so it's super important. And to me, it seems like an investment. So I started calling them investors. That's there. a great term, man. That's good language. I like that quite yeah. a bit. They are investors. And, you know, outside of the business aspect of it, you know, they trust us to give them skills that will bring them home That's huge. to their families. You know, if what we sell them is fraudulent or, or inherently flawed, they may not come home. So remembering that and, you know, that's still why I do a lot of government work because those guys are, you know, in the U S and abroad, you know, using those skills and I'll, I'll get constant. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing anything operational anymore. I'm too old for that, but I have a lot of people who are very, very active in all kinds of interesting things all around the globe. Mm-hmm. And they give me the field reports. I get them, you know, and and it keeps it keeps the coursework alive. And and I'm constantly looking to evolve the coursework. I'm never satisfied with it. I'm not satisfied with it now. It's pre, it's relatively polished, but I'm not satisfied with it at all. And I probably probably will never be satisfied with it. Yeah. If I am, it will probably not be as good as it was if I ever get to a point where I'm yeah, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. And I can just click off. That and and I guess what's going to be difficult um and I'm trying to like brainstorm for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you when you have a bigger staff that's out doing things. Yeah. Like how do you make sure to refine them on the new refinements? Right. Um, do you call in a big meeting? Do you, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I have no idea what that looks like. That's yeah. It's and I think one. about it. It, yeah. it, it does, man. It weighs heavily yeah. in me because everybody's wanting, everybody's wanting paper and everybody's wanting to do this, you know? And it's like, all right. Um, you know, people in the gov and people in the military, you're like, Hey, we need this instructor development course, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, man, it's it's a it's almost a daily conversation at this point. Wow, it is. Yeah, if how I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna do it. Uh, I hope I do it well. I I, I'm sh- I'm sure gonna try. I'm I'm reticent. I'm nervous about it, you know, and and I'm really taking baby steps, and I'm trying to stay, you know, engaged and and assume there's something I'm not looking at. There's something I don't know here. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's that's different waters, man. It is. Well, and also I think a big part of it, like you've mentioned with Fieldcraft and what you guys do with the business, is surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. I made that remark earlier that, you know, I think you're a lot of people think they're or I've been told that you're you're a composite of the people, the five people yeah. you spend the most Your amount of time networking. with. Yeah. So I always try and be the dumbest guy in the room. The yeah. least the, the, the letting, you know, the least tough guy in the room, the least educated guy in the room. If I can really surround myself with much better people than me, hopefully they'll, they'll raise me up. That's what I've tried to do. No, it, it works. And you can tell that it works, right? Um, because you're still looking for that. Like yeah. when I go places and it's just a bigger, it's a next level. I'm like, Oh, I just want to listen right now. Right. Yeah. And I'm listening. I'm like, okay, cool. That, that makes sense there. And then you can begin the conversations and then everything just pieces itself together. And, and it's everything. It's uh, when I look to do development stuff, I don't just look into the industry. I'll look into what professional uh, coaches do for athletes right. or what, they do in, in, in dentistry, like I had a conversation with a dentist about an instructor program that they do and how they deliver material. I'm like, I wouldn't have gone that route myself, but they presented it to me. I it's was like, super, oh, super interesting to go to other professions yeah. and see how they develop expertise for sure and develop in courses of instruction and instructors and what skill looks like in mm -hmm. other industries and, and how that's thought of. There's a really good book that's in my queue, the death of expertise that I need to, uh, yeah. I need to get into. Somebody recommended that to me, so I immediately kindled it and yeah. put it in put it in the queue. It's like, <laughs> all right, when I I want an airplane, I'll read this. Yeah. You know, so nice. Yeah, uh, I know we skipped a bunch and just got into we like did. I mean, conversation. We just started, we just started rapping, man. <laughs> we did. It's awesome. It, it makes yeah. sense because I I like that. It, it it's just it it's what we've been doing this whole weekend yeah. and it's so far and yeah. it just makes sense. Uh, I did want to fill the listeners in so that we have a, a full scope of, of who you are, where sure. you came from, like a cool background. Um, uh, just the, the story, the story of, of how this all came to be. Okay. So I, uh, I'm, I'm Craig Douglas. I'm a retired sheriff's deputy from South Mississippi. I had a 21 year law enforcement career. The vast majority of that was uh, as a drug cop, a SWAT cop, or both simultaneously. I retired in 2011 to do training full-time. So this is the 10th year of training full-time. I'm in my first decade. But it's the 19th year of training under the brand ShivWorks globally. And I teach in 45 states, 11 countries outside of the U.S., four branches of the military, five federal agencies. And I have some contracts within particular places within the DARP Department of Defense. Yeah. So I'm on the road about 40, 42 maybe weeks out of the year. My business is split evenly between open and closed coursework. And we were talking about earlier, I'm best known for niche problems in the industry, uh, clinch and ground uh, range gun work. What does that look like? How do you train that? How do you teach that? Uh, knife stuff, fighting cars, solo structure movement, any kind of dire they're all dire, but right. you know, any kind of dire novel, usually, you know, novel, horrendous thing you'd be involved in. I've probably, I've probably looked at that problem and that's, that's where I tend to dwell. So as far as the story goes of how, <laughs> of how this started, well, it, it's interesting. There was never any intention to do this. So I was motivated to start looking at the content after some, uh, pretty significant failures I had as, a, as an undercover police officer. And then upon coming out of a two year undercover stint, 
kind of created a local fight club with uh, motorcycle helmets and boxing gloves and simunitions and used that stuff well outside of the manufacturer's recommended guidelines for use to create a training modality that I needed, but unfortunately uh, was not available in the era in the 90s. So I did that and, and kind of figured some things out as far as what a full contact clinch range gunfight looked like and, and doing that with marking cartridges. And you certainly debate about whether I should have done that, whether I should have used all that gear the way I used it, um, whether that was a good idea to do, but, but it did create ultimately what would become a body of work. And it was just something I was interested in. And I started talking on the old internet of the day, V bulletin software internet forums and, and people were interested in it. And mm-hmm. a guy by the name who's now deceased, by the name of Paul Gomez, asked me to come over and work with a garage group in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is a two-hour drive away from me on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So I was like, all right. So I came over there and worked with Paul. And Paul, at the time, was uh, an apprentice instructor with Andy Stanford, a guy who had a company by the name of Options for Personal Security. And he was one of the early open enrollment traveling instructors that started to kind of open the door outside of the old fixed institutions like Gunsight, Lethal Force Institute, the Chapman Academy and places like that. And specifically, he started doing that for for, uh, citizens in open enrollment classes. That was not really still a big thing. And there were only a couple of people doing it. And Andy was one of those traveling instructors. He wrote a couple of books so Paul was one of his adjuncts, and after I went and worked with the garage group, Paul said, hey, you should really hang a shingle out and have a business and yammer, yammer, yammer. And at the time, we were having just a just an explosion in bathtub meth and methamphetamine and labs. Mm-hmm. I think in 99, we had maybe, I don't know, like three or four meth labs in the year 2000. I think it was like 197. It was, it just overnight exploded with, um, you know, bathtub meth and, and every redneck and his brother cooking dope. They started sharing the, the methods. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was no fun to work. You'd never get any product. You'd hit a place. You'd have a bunch of chemicals and a bunch of toothless rednecks Mm -hmm. that require cleanup that you had to wait, you know, 12 hours for a, a, a hazmat crew, cleanup yeah. crew to come in there. It's just not fun dope work. Mm-hmm. And it's tedious, laborious, you know, compared to working cocaine or anything like that. So it's a lot more fun. So no, you're not seizing anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just nothing good about it, man. It's just rednecks and chemicals. It sucks. So anyway, we we were just getting beat up with that. And, and I told Paul, I said, look, sounds cool. Don't really know what you're talking about with this uh, civilian training thing. But I, uh, I just don't have the time. Well, he stayed on me for two years. Oh, that's cool. He badgered me. Yeah. Nonstop. <laughs> and more and more people were asking for it. And I had developed some um, products and, and specifically some some uh, knives, some cutlery based on my ideas. And they those were starting to sell through custom knife makers, my designs. So I was getting married for the first time. I do great weddings. I don't do awesome marriages. So my <laughs> weddings are my weddings are great. 
But anyway, <laughs> so I was getting married for the first time. And my first wife wanted this uh, lavish wedding. And I was complaining to Paul about not making enough overtime to give her the wedding that she wanted. And that's when he sees the moment and said, dude, been trying to get been trying to get you to teach these classes. So let me set this up. All you got to do is show up and do your thing. So I did. And I was also an academy instructor for 20 years. I even taught a couple of years after I left law enforcement, retired from law enforcement. But I was, a, I was an academy instructor for a long, long, long time. I taught in-service training, things like that. And my motivation at that point, just from the typical non-dedicated personnel who would come into a defensive tactics class and say, hey, man, what time we're getting out of here today? Rough. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. I mean, you're on the job, too. So yeah. going from that and just not being interested in teaching anybody anything, plus, you know, just all the dope work that we had and, and finally just relenting because Paul was relentless and I needed the money. So I did my first class and I was just stunned at the level of engagement and the level of motivation and the hard work. The first class I did was a knife class and I was just stunned at how hard they worked. It's like an 11 hour day. It's a one day class. Mm -hmm. We were in a warehouse in California. We had no air conditioning and these guys just hammered each other for hours and they were hot and they'd pull his helmets off and they were just grinning from ear to ear. And, nice. and they loved it. They loved it. They were taken with it. I'd never experienced that level of engagement. So it really reinvigorated me on, on teaching. And it really took my life in a direction that without those people, I, I just never would have probably been anything more than a, you know, small town Southern cop. You know, and it, it took my life in a completely different, direct, unexpected direction. So I loved it. And, and so I did another one. And I did another one. And I did another one. And then that was in 03. And then with, you know, eight, nine years of brand building, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. You know, our agency was, was getting real toxic with the upper management and, and the sheriff our sheriff ended up getting indicted. Wow. Yeah. So typical, you know, I mean, it's like a, you know, William Faulkner novel as far as true Southern <laughs> Gothic. Yeah. It, it's bad. It was bad. But nonetheless, you know, I, I saw the writing on the wall and, and between just how much I was getting compensated for my time and how much I was, mainly how much I was enjoying myself. Because I think you can relate, you know, anytime you're on your way out, from a toxic law enforcement agency, it's just, it's horrible showing up every day, man. It does, you know? especially when you know you're on the way out, it, right? It, it kills your soul. Yeah. It is soul wrenching. And so I, I retired, you know, and, and I walked immediately into a second career and I haven't looked back. And man, it's, um, I, I wish I could say I had business sense, but I, I really don't. I just, I followed my heart and I was fortunate enough to have, really good people at the right time 
looking out for my best interest. I've had like a lot of people, I've had people try and take advantage of me and I was lucky enough to skirt around that with, with minimal losses. But for the most part, the people that brought me into the open enrollment citizen heavy training business, best people in the world. Nice. And, you know, being a, you know, being an eighties army kid and a nineties or a cop, I mean, as a human being, I didn't have a lot of experience with life. I, I, you know, the people I dealt with were my family, victims and suspects. Yeah. That was it. So there, there was a whole range, just a, a, a breadth of people now that I was interacting with that kind of normalized me and, and, and really just opened my eyes up to a whole world outside of being a cop, fighting crime, being a crime fighter, you know, it's noble. Okay. It's limiting. Right. You know, it's a very narrow stream. So they really did, man. They brought out the best in me and, uh, I've, I've, I've got a great life. I've got autonomy, you know, I've got success. I've, and I've got great people in my life and I've got zero complaints, man. So it's, that's the story. That's the story. I love what I do. I believe in it still. I, uh, I, I, I know I'm better than I was when I started and hopefully I'll continue to get better and I try to and that that's really it dude so and you can see it your interaction with with everyone in the class you can see that you're getting something from it yeah. um, more than just the, the the feedback to make them better right yeah um, it is more fulfilling when I see a student that's been struggling all day physically, just because, I mean, this is out of their wheelhouse. All this is totally new. When I see them successfully get a duck under, you know, <laughs> I feel it, man. Yeah. I'm like, yes. And I, and I do. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll walk by, yes, fist bump. And that's how to do it, man. Yeah. Really makes me happy. You know, yeah. when they don't do well, I'll do well. When they do great, I do great. And it, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm kind of. I'm kind of a symbiotic leech that way. <laughs> I do, man. Their successes are, you know, my successes and their failures are my failures. I've got skin in the game. That and, and that's what makes it so valuable, I think. And that's where people can see the differences in instructors and in companies, right? right. Uh, is they feel your energy. Sure. Because I'll stay there until they get it. Or yeah. I will do everything. I will change verbiage. I will just yeah. show you differently. Yeah. I'll, I'll switch my hands. Anything to yep. give you a different aspect for you to just get it. And then it might take an hour or two after that small conversation and right. these little inject little tidbits here and there and then finally they get it and it is that it's like you like high five yourself internally like first right you're like fuck yes right and then you walk over and then you give them that fist bump or you give them a pat yeah. on the back and it is that man it, to hear you say that it just reminds me of how much i enjoy this and love how, to see how the light lucky. bulbs love to see the light bulbs yeah. come on love to see the change yeah, it's huge I, i've had some people who here are they came to me physically inept kind of overall just lacking in confidence and trained with me every year for 10 years. I've got a guy who came to me scared of his own shadow and his first introduction to grappling of any type was through, was through ECQC and he just got, he got mauled. He did, you know, well, he decided that you want to do something about that? And he came the next year and he came the next year and he came the next year and he started doing jujitsu 
He started and he kept coming to ECQC or Edged Weapons Overview and he came again and he came again. And I guess a black belt now in Brazilian <laughs> Jiu Jitsu. Whoa. He went for it. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu journey began with weapons based grappling. So he's had the self defense and weapons based perspective literally before he started the orthodox martial art combat sport of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And he is a terror now. And that dude is not the same dude. He might be a couple of years younger than me. Uh, I think he's like 51, maybe. Yeah, somewhere around there. But he is not the same guy. His gait is different. His walk is different. His confidence, his outlook on life is different. And it's just, it's an amazing transformation. When somebody invests in you for over a decade, every year, and you just watch them, you think back and you, or you have videos from that very first time you look at them, like, dude, you look different. Yeah. You know, now you got cauliflower ears and posture yeah, changes, posture right? changes. Taller and bigger. They, yeah. You can see the vigor. Yeah. Like it's amazing. I love, uh, I love taking a guy like that, you know, and he was a nerd. He said, you know, I love nerds. Yeah. He was a nerd, but I love weaponizing nerds. I yeah. love it. That's awesome, man. For Cause sure. those are the guys that need it. Not the not the action dudes, right? Right, the action dude. He he'll be successful with you know marginal equipment and marginal training because right. he's motivated and he's fit, right? right? Most yeah. of the time, he's got the right mindset. But a guy like a nerd, that guy really needs skill. Yeah, right. He really needs technique. He really needs tactics. He really needs guile. So. Taking those dudes and weaponizing them, I love it. Man. I love it, man. And they dig in, right? They'll, they'll learn yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Like, on a level that most people won't. Oh, like, yeah. they'll dig deep into these oh, holes yeah. and find everything about and tell you things you didn't know. You're just like, yes, that. I've had a, I've had a couple <laughs> of those guys do that on, on fighting the car, you know? Yeah. On the local training group, nerds, you know, they'll, they'll I'll show them the car fighting, you know, strategy template that we have. And within a couple of months, they've got a, gotten themselves a training car. Whoa. They That's padded, dedicated. They, they have. They got themselves a training car. Doesn't run. They padded it up, right? And they, they've got a seatbelt choke series. Nice. I even want to show you this. I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that, is, that is arcane and cool. But uh, I don't know where that fits other than... I don't want to get in the car with you now because you might hit me with one of those <laughs> weird seatbelt jokes, dude. Yeah. So it's really cool, man. I, I love those guys, man. I, I do love my patrons. I love my people. They are, uh, they really have, like I said, made my life what it is. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful to them for the, the gift they've given me. And I, you'll see what I say tomorrow. But I end my, I end every class with, uh, I, by thanking everybody after calling them my name and saying, you know, I, I think of you guys as patrons, not students. It reminds me that you guys pay the bills. And uh, hopefully, if I'm lucky enough to see you again, uh, I'll do better than I did this weekend. Thank you for the gift. I appreciate it. I won't dishonor it. Yeah. You're on your own. <laughs> sort of, right? <laughs> Go. Um, well, what's Go really home. cool, too, there is... Uh, when people want to help you grow and, yeah. and add things and send them to you and, hey, check this out or here's this. Right. It, it goes back to that. Uh, it takes a tribe mentality, right? Yeah. Where the village needs certain people to do certain things. Right. And 
us, we, anyone who's in a certain role can't be all those things. Yeah. So it's important to allow people to help us. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of the ego and the machismo of things, we right. lose sight of that. Absolutely. Um, but when there's somebody better at something than I am, like I want to be around that guy. I don't want to shun him away. No, not at um, all. But things change, right? They go back and forth. But but when people offer things like that, I see that as they care enough to take their time to do something for us, right? right. For the program, for themselves, uh, in the community, and then how can we share that? And I think those groups are really great for those things, yeah. right? Because it allows them to stay interactive and, and doing things. I was talking to Manny today about. Um, hey, let's spin up a, a day where we can come back and all drill again Absolutely. and just do these things together. We're, we're, all, we're out here all the time yep. anyway. Um, now we all have uh, an idea of what we should be drilling, how to drill it. Absolutely, and dude. Man, just get the guys who need a little more work doing the work. Huge, um, huge fan of that. You know, we call those... We call those fight clubs mm -hmm. or, you know, chapter, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Guys have different names for, you know, uh, the one that Mark Wallach runs in Vero Beach calls it, you know, the Florida Chivalrous Fight Club. And uh, I think in Colorado, they're calling it the uh, Colorado Chivalrous Training Chapter. And everybody has different names. And I don't care. Right. It's not like they pay dues or anything yeah. like that. You know, the whole purpose of this is like, yes, you guys get, because everybody asks, how do, I, how do I keep training this way? Well, First of all, you know, connect with your alumni and you guys get each other's numbers and emails and make the effort. Somebody's got to steer the ship mm -hmm. and get together. And, you know, hopefully there's some guys that have some orthodox combat sports that can get your hip escape better or get your underhook better, whatever. But the main thing is you guys stay connected and I will support you any way I can if you want to say. And, and a lot of these guys do. They'll send me videos. Hey, this is what we're doing. Hey, this is what we figured out. And... I'll review them and say, that looks awesome. Or that kind of sucks. Right. You know, do this. Yeah. I think this is what I think. Or you might want to do that a little bit different. But, you know, there's no, um, I don't, you know, I don't clip an end off that. Hopefully what they'll do is I'll see them next year. I'll be able to come back and do a class there and they're better. Yeah. You know, you can push them a little harder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll invest, you know, I'll invest in them throughout the year. They invest in me once a year mm. and everybody gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in those groups, they can, they like, let's really work this hip escape and let's, let's find a local great instructor, great jujitsu guy, right? And yep. be like, hey, uh, will you help us with this? Right. And then maybe with firearms, I get a firearms guy to come and help fine tune them with that, right? Yeah. So then when you get them again, it's like they've done this homework. Yeah. And then you get excited, right? You're like, right. oh man, nice level stuff. Um, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of guys do, a lot of guys think of ECQC, it's become their annual audit. They, I mean, they come there to review the content, but they come there to test yeah. too. They're like, you know, last year my conditioning sucked, you know, so I wanted to work on my conditioning. Conditioning's better, but my technique sucks. I want to work on that. They'll come back again. All right. You know, decision-making is a little off. You need to work on that. And, and just, you know, they're just working on getting better. Yeah. And, I sell, and, and I tell everybody, look, dude, there's always something to do. There's always something you suck at. For sure. As much as we strive for parity, in all these different problem solving areas, you know, the reality of it is you only got so many hours in the day. Yeah. If I don't work, if I want, if I want to work on getting stronger and I want to push my deadlift beyond 500 pounds, then yeah, my jujitsu is going to suffer for sure. And my, or my shooting is going to suffer. My dry fire is going to suffer. You know, if I'm going to jujitsu twice a day when I'm home, that kind of thing. So right. it's it just is what it is, you know? So there's, there's always, and I think, when you become a student of the art that way, 
you know, when you realize, hey, man, it's not about getting anywhere. It's my life. Yeah. It's just what I do. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to set time aside or do this or that. It's already a part of my, like I, it's infused in my scheduling, like I programming even like I know what days I'm doing what, because that's how I live my life. It's not just uh, you know what, next week I'll do a class or uh, next week I'll do some pull-ups. Like I walk into the garage, the pull-up bar is there. Hey, what's up, pull-up bar? Boom. Here we go. Uh, It's those things that just become a part of you. And that's when things shift, right? When, when it's just the thing to do. It's part of who you are. Uh, it's not something you're trying to do. It's something that's a part of you. Or it's, it's not something super. that it's not something that you have to do because you're not training for an event. Yeah. Like competition or war or whatever. You yeah. know, it's not, I got to get to here before this happens, or I got to get to here before, you know, I go to the big show, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, okay. Now we're just training to train. For yeah. sure. Training, uh, training, training's the way. I know to do a, a, a Mandalorian esque kind of thing. All yeah. the, you know, all the the hipsters are constantly going. This is the way. That kind of thing these days. And, and I have to say, that is the best Star Wars that's come along in a while. So far, yeah. it is really is. The, yeah. All the rest of them have sucked. But yeah. God, I'm so tired of hearing that. But training is the way. For sure. It is the way, man. I think so. And it helps with everything, right? It does. It's not just like, it's not only helping you with the task that you're trying to get better at performing. It gives you more confidence in just everyday life. Everyday life. How you interact with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, posture is a big, everything just changes for for people. And you see it, you see it change them. Right. And it's exciting because then they know it's changed them. Yeah. And then now it becomes their way, right? Yeah. it's It's the way for them now. And then boom, you don't even have to worry about that person anymore because you know they're on the right track. So I created yeah. another monk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And they're going. Yeah. They're going, man. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're you're well beyond wherever I was. You know, that's yeah. really cool. That's how I look at a kid like Aaron Gennady. Yeah. You know, it's a good dude. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That dude is twice the and three times the instructor. You know. Than, than I was at the age that yeah. he is now. He is, that kid is talented. And he's a young guy, right? Yeah, I think Late 20s, early 30s? Something like that, maybe 20, right around 30. Yeah. Dude, his, he he does not misspeak. He is clear as a bell. Wow. He manages time well. Much like me, he drives all of his presentations with brevity. It's about saying less, not more. It's mm-hmm. about the right words, not more words. And he's, he's physically talented. He knows how to explain motion real well. He does visual demonstrations and matches his words to the visual demonstrations real well. You can, you can see his face when he's talking, you can hear him and you can see what his body's doing. He's a really cogent, naturally talented instructor. I'm not sure, you know, he's again, one of the, the, you know, the Ryan influence, yeah. you know, that so many people have. Yeah. Ryan's been a big influence for me. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Hoover fit to fight. Yep. Um, yeah. Huge influence. Uh, there's so many dudes. There's so many stellar, excellent world-class dudes that have lineage and linkage to Ryan. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Hoover is <laughs> one of the most underrated guys in the, in the business. And I, I told him, I said, dude, we're, what can I do to make you more successful? 
Yeah. I, I just had a text conversation yeah, before we, you came down Yep, and I was like, how can I do more yeah. for it, for you to do more? I, I like, agree. I will facilitate it. He, he and I are so simpatico on how we think about things and our, our martial arts journeys and all the different crazy we did for like asshole bullshit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah, man, I, I consider Ryan a peer, a friend, uh, and I'm, I want to see that dude. I want to see his name in a bigger marquee. Yeah, I do. I, I think, think it'll happen to him. I think it will happen. Uh, I, I know that I'm going to use our networks to, to help. Yep. Um, we were just chatting and it's, it's so refreshing to hear from him because yeah. I know he's doing his thing. He's, he's busy and he's got, he's a nose to the grindstone. He dude. is, he um, is man. Nose to grindstone yeah. working this, working this, working this. Yeah. 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 A lot of the things that I, um, I'm teaching and using came from having all that time spent with him. Yep. And yeah, I dug deep with him. I was like, dude, this is the guy for me. Like yeah. it makes sense. Uh, and his ability to instruct was another big one for me. Cause that's right. what I look for. I look for good instructors, uh, good deliveries. And he definitely helped with that. He helped me piece together a lot of my instruction and so, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Absolutely. Um, can't, can't see enough good things about Ron. Hoover. Yeah. He's I agree. solid dude. Yeah. Um, we kind of skipped something that I wanted to cover. Okay. Um, the name Shiv works. Totally by accident. Like it makes sense. The two words it came along. It came along because the, the products came before the knives. It was, mm -hmm. it was knife nerds, more nerds, life's full yeah. nerds. Love they nerds. help, man. They help a dude, lot. they're awesome. <laughs> Uh, it was a bunch of knife nerds who wanted uh, me to design some cutlery based on inner edge work, the edge facing you and, and what the pros and cons of that are. And I worked with a couple of custom knife makers and one in particular, Trace Rinaldi, that uh, he designed the, the first reverse edge Shivworks knife that came out, the Disciple, and then the clinch pick was mine, and Trace made it. And both those knives pretty much were staple, um, made by custom makers, and then mid-tech, and then we finally took production overseas, and we were able to get way more volume out there and for still sure. have a really good product for, you know, cheaper. Yeah. So, but uh, no, it was just, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of... Uh, there wasn't a lot of thought given to that name. I, I was talking to a couple of the kids that had started training with me, and I think when and and we were talking about what to call this, like what's it like a shiv, and and that's what you ought to call the business, man. Shiv works, you know, and like that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was like, well, okay, well, so we'll call the knife the, you know, the the shiv works uh, line of cutlery, and, and you know, I don't know, should I call it? Should I have said, you know, something? CraigDouglasTactical.com. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I think most guys who come up with brands and names unless they have business sense, which I don't. You know, <laughs> I, it was just something stupid I said and or something stupid I heard and I agreed to and it just stuck. So that there wasn't a lot of thought given to that name. That being said, I wouldn't change it. It's a it's an appropriate name. It certainly catches your eye, catches yeah. your ear. Chef works. How's that? For sure. You know, what are those good dudes doing? <laughs> so, um, but a lot of people, you know, it's it's a little misleading. A lot of people think it's only knife stuff or it's only grappling or that I don't do other things outside of that. So, yeah, man, it's it's been interesting. But uh, I think I'm well known enough now and me and the brand are synonymous that pretty, pretty much there have been so many 
videos and podcasts and, and AARs of the coursework and guys talking about what they, it's a pretty well, you can find out. And I love that about the internet yeah. period. I mean, you can pretty much vet anybody as far as quality of their coursework, what people are saying about it, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. I think we're in a golden age of training yeah. from that perspective. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very well vetted coursework at this point. So I think most people know what ShivWorks is, and who I am, who who are looking for me. There are plenty of people like who, what, and that's another thing, interesting thing about our our business is it surprises me who knows me, and it surprises me who doesn't. Right. You know, it's like what. You know, or you do to that, that kind of thing. I, yeah. I'm constantly like, wow, it, where's the we're supposed to be really interconnected, but we've got all these. And, and that goes back to my remark about this not being an industry, but, you know, a, a collection of personality driven fiefdoms, you know, mm. that there's not a lot of crossover in, in a lot of industries, you know, yeah. or in a lot of these cliques. I kind of had pretty decent daywalker status to be able to <laughs> yeah. go to various places and yeah. be accepted and be cool. That's awesome. So I know a lot of people in the business, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting uh, what people d do and don't know about brands and dudes and things like that. You know, I, I don't think, a, you know, I, I didn't realize you were one of Ryan's guys until he told me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, man, I said, I looked at his stuff. He's like, man, it's a good dude. He did the same, he did the same thing. He's like, that dude's so tough. <laughs> that dude is such a badass. Like, he looks at me and I said, all right. I said, you're the first guy I've met. You know, I said, I, I, I've been meaning to reach out for Raul, but uh, I'm now that you've said something, boom, I need to, I need to definitely connect with the guy. And then this happened. Yeah. So it was awesome. It worked out perfect. It really did. And yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, uh, it did. No, I, it, it really did. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. It's super yeah. cool. But to go, to go back to your question, Chevworks, um, again, just like everything, it was an accident. Uh, I, I'm not mindful about stuff like that. I'm mindful about how I teach and what I teach, but like stuff like that, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Call it whatever you want. And the logo. And the logo. What I had about a, the logo? I had, a, I had a graphic artist do that for me. The same, actually, is the same weirdo that came up with the name of works that I agreed to. He did that. He did that logo. And I was like, wow, he was a really talented, um, unfortunately, ultimately toxic guy. Mm, he sucks. was that kind of hitched his wagon to me early in the beginning. And I, I was able to jettison him before he did a lot of damage, but you know, uh, me, him and actually trace came up with the name. It was the three of us. Now that I'm thinking back to it. And I remember that conversation that came up with the name Chev works and then, and then Dan did the logo. So yeah, there you go. But it's a cool logo. Everybody loves it. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's different. And, and it does, it does what the name does. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's yeah. the logo has associated itself with the name of the company. Uh -huh. So you look at one or you hear the name and you right. know which, what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way you want it. Right? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's branding. And exactly. It's like, it's like my Apple. Yeah. logo. It's like, I already know what that is. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And it, so all this, right. Um, and now the program that is the meat and potatoes of the company, 
It's that's ECQC extreme close quarter concepts, which is uh, that would probably we could consider that the flagship, I guess, course. I don't know. There's they're all. So I have four different open enrollment courses. I have the extreme close quarter concepts course, ECQC, which again is uh, my my take on functional handgun skills at zero to five feet. And then there's edged weapons overview, which is basically this class with a knife same base of wrestling, same strategy template for muck and stuff like that, except the weapon changes because I'm, I'm very, again, reductionist and congruent in, in what I teach and how I teach. We have armed movement and structures, which is my take on what an average person's interior movement problem with a gun looks like. And then vehicle combatives and shooting tactics, which is all of that stuff applied inside and directly around cars yeah so it's four open enrollment classes and then i teach a bunch of hybridized specialty stuff for for closed clients but those are the four staples those four right there and again they're not they're not that much different really from each other yeah strategically they're yeah. not because you want that consistency right if yeah. we can build that consistency yeah um and in the development of those programs, right? Because uh, these are questions that I I, I have, and right. I, I'm assuming other people have. I hope they, that that's how we all think. Is is where do things come from and why? Sure. Um, how did these programs develop? What 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 in your experiences? And I know you've said it in class, um, but just on a broader scale, what brought this together? Really, a, what what brought me to seek not only Developing curriculum and training modalities were, were the failures that I had in my law enforcement career from traditional martial arts, traditional firearms training, and and how that training was conducted as much as anything. And training that was conducted, firearms training that was conducted on a flat range never really carried over to defensive tactics training that was conducted in a mat room. There was never any crossover back when I was a young police officer. You you didn't have any convergence between. It's like they didn't speak to each other, right? They didn't. Two programs no, that you didn't had, communicate. You had fat yeah. old gun guys, yeah. and you had meatheads that can shoot. Right. Right. So, and then what I found in the the undercover tenure was not only did these converge but they converged in novel environments that I had never been exposed to before. Like, what is what is fighting inside of a car look like? What does that look like? Right. It's closed, confi- confined, cubed space. You're, you're literally fighting in a cube. Yeah. So there's no top or bottom anymore. And you have all these points of base that you can establish power and pressure from. Very different. Very, very different environment to find. And Scott's first ECQC, as a matter of fact, and Scotty is a really good jiu-jitsu guy. Like I say, he's probably one of the top five in the Hibero organization. His first ECQC, we uh, we had a vehicle available, and I finished the uh, the class up with a gunfight in a car, you know, just to give him that experience. Didn't yeah. give him any instruction on how to do it. I just wanted him fighting in that space and understanding novel space. Well, one of the guys that I pitted Scotty against, Purple Belt, who had done a lot of ECQCs and moreover, he had done my vehicle class. So he knew how kind of how the car worked and he, he crushed Scott not once, but twice. 
not because he's better than him in jujitsu, right. but because he understood how the environment worked. Mm. So one of the things that I started doing, and, and I think one of the things that defines my coursework would be my, the the two the two themes of my law enforcement career path, and that was doing high risk, unusual things, high, high risk, unusual assignments, niche novel assignments, and teaching all the time. Mm. I was an academy instructor again for, for 20 years. And then you know, I was a dub cop for most of my career with two years of straight UC work. So we did, I did all kinds of nutty stuff. Yeah. So invariably that, that led my teaching mind to examine not only what my training in firearms and DT looked like and being critical of that, but how that came out and the lack of convergence between the disciplines and the lack of effective training modalities. Because until I started taking marking cartridges locally and using them, again, well outside of the manufacturer's recommended guidelines for use, at contact distance with motorcycle helmets, full contact cups, um, you know, baseball gear sometimes. We just beat the shit out of each other, you know, a local group of dudes. But up until I tried doing that stuff, ECQ training was done or, or extreme close quarters, close range shooting, whatever you want to call it, was done on a piece of cardboard, usually on a police range that had a PPC turner. So you got this huge concrete flower bed looking thing. So you can't even get close to the target. You certainly can't touch it. So close range would maybe be two and a half yards. Mm. You know, that's, that's not ECQ. That's no. not contact distance. Yeah, you're not touching it. And every theory on deploying a gun at close range or, God forbid, in a scuffle was break range and get to the gun. Karate your way out. Right. You know, and and get the gun and get some vestigial retention position and, and zipper rounds up. And it sounded it sounded good. And that's worked. But but, you know, I certainly found that sometimes there's no place to go. Like if you're fighting in a car, sometimes you can't get somebody off you because they're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. They're better than you. They seized initiative. You weren't just waiting on it. You're doing something else like trying to buy 40 bucks for the crack. Right. And boom, it blew up in your face. So it was a lot of that stuff that happened. Okay. And, and not only me personally, but watching other dudes, you know, all around Mississippi and Louisiana, uh, other guys doing UC work and, and just being observant of what was happening and why guys won by default. A lot of times it wasn't a lose, it wasn't a loss. It was a win by default because yeah. the other guy quit, or the other guy just decided not to push it until he killed a police officer. Yeah, right. He just gave it up. Like, yeah, oh, and it's mind. one of those. It's one of those things where you know guys sit around in the aftermath, and and everybody knows they they screwed up, right? Yeah. But but nobody really wants to say it, right? It's usually an after action report, you know, in the back of a you know, a 7-Eleven or a Waffle House parking lot or something like that. And everybody's looking at each other. It's like, well, uh, 
all's well that ends well, yeah. you know. Well, it's hard to admit, right? Like, it is, man. And fuck, cops I would have fucking wor- lost this. Yeah, cops, are the, that dude. cops are the worst about that. <laughs> yeah. They are the worst about introspection, contemplation, and, and self-reflection. So, um, yeah, just... Why do you think that is? Do you think it's like a, a work-related thing? Like let it go on to the next because they're answering so many calls consecutively or they're dealing with a, a few other jobs or they're doing, you know, home life interfering with work and they're just not interested. Um, so it becomes this thing where they just brush it off instead of taking the time to be like, holy shit, um, had that dude not quit, I'd be fucking screwed. Yeah. How can I make myself I th- I better? Think, I think a lot of guys, I think a lot, uh, honestly, I think quite a bit of it is just uh, no, nobody no man wants to admit that he was made vulnerable by another man, and no man wants to admit that he was a victim of another man. Yeah. And cops in particular, the last thing they want to say, they, the last thing they want to say is, yeah, man, I was a victim. I was bested, yeah. I was bested. I think that's a big part of it right there. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I'm trying to examine it from like other angles because right. uh, I've had dudes give up and I could just put cuffs yeah. on them and I'm like, well, that was easy. I wonder right. what that was. And we never asked them, right? It was just kind of like, whatever, yeah. you got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what, yeah. It, it, it's interesting though, man. I, and and I, think, I think there are a lot of guys in the profession that just, they're not interested in skillet arms. They are no more interested in their pistol than a carpenter is interested in his hammer after he finishes a, uh, building a house for the day, you know, yeah. after he finish, finishes, I, I, it's just a tool, you know, and they're not particularly interested in mastering it. So, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm loyal to the profession and I'm loyal still, and I'm loyal to guys who want to help themselves. I, I stopped trying to change the dudes that don't want it. The profession or or convince the dudes that don't want to help themselves that they should be training harder a certain way, yammer, yammer, more frequently, whatever. I don't try and convince those people of anything yeah. anymore. I don't care. You know, dude, I'm not, you want to help yourself, I'll help you. But, you know, if you don't want, if I have to convince you to learn how to protect yourself. <laughs> and I mean, a job that obviously has these issues. Right. right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <sighs> I want, no, no. I used to believe in that a lot more than I do now. I, 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 again, I'm loyal to the profession and I'm loyal to people and I, and I will help people that will help themselves, but making sweeping change in law enforcement or convincing the rank and file, you need to do this. Yeah. yeah. yeah, No, No. I'll do that. Nope. I'm not, I'm not, I personally am not trying to create systemic change in the profession. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm too old and I'm, I think I'm just too much of a cynic <laughs> to believe that. Cause I caught, I talked to cops everywhere, man. I talked to cops in Sweden and South Africa. I mean, I've done coursework there and it's the same stories. Wow. It's the same stories. The accents are different, Yeah, <laughs> but it's the same stories. Yeah. <laughs> the same exact stories. Literally the accent has changed. The name has changed. I'm in a different country, but it's the same exact story. Yeah, it is, man. It's just like, oof. well, it, it almost has to be too in a way because it's, 
dealing with people, right? And their problems. Yep. And we all pretty much have the same problems. Um, and, and they're all organizations. Yeah. Another reason like you and I were talking about, I don't, I don't, I don't want a job. I'm not interested in a job. I'm not interested in being anybody's employee. Thank God I have patrons. <laughs> And I'm yeah. in my second career, and, and I'm fortunate that way, man. I'm, that, that's why I think a man's like, dude, I don't ever want to work for anybody again. Except yeah. you guys on the weekends, <laughs> you know, where we're doing cool stuff together. So, yeah. yeah people are awesome. Um, yeah, they are. The people that are And willing. they suck, too. <laughs> right? right? It's like this it's giant, like, it's man. A huge dichotomy, right? you got to find the ones that are awesome. And, you know, I, and I'm lucky, man. The ones that are awesome now more often than not seem to find me. That's cool. Fewer people that suck find me. More people that are awesome find me. And that's yeah. that's super cool, man. I'm again, I, fates, God, whoever, whatever. Yeah. It's, they've uh they've they've given me a lot of uh they've blessed me in that regard. That's awesome. great people that find me. Yeah. It, it's refreshing to hear that, right? To, yeah. to to know that that's that's something that has become a thing uh where not even the avoidance of it, but just having the right people around. It's, yeah. it's so refreshing and it feels good. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel about my team. The guys that I, I, I was able to pick the guys that I thought were the right guys, not the best guys. Right. Um, I fielded so many resumes before picking the guys that we have uh, on the training team. And I was like, well, wow, that's right. This dude has five pages compared to this dude's two pages or whatever, right? Whatever right. work they did. Um, but it's the right people Yeah, and they find you. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of the guys on our team. Uh, I didn't, I didn't look for them somewhere. Yeah. I met them at a course or I saw them teach somewhere and I was like, or, Hey, I know this guy from here and it just became a thing. And then that to me was really important. And that's how all, all the guys on, on our team are, but that, that people finding you and then the other people just weeding themselves out. I believe in that serendipity. Yeah, I really do. You know, I, uh, there, that's a thing. That is a thing, man. I yeah. think, and you could feel timing, right? For you sure. could feel it. You could feel timing and you feel connection. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, this is the right time. This is the right dude. And we were supposed to, we're supposed to connect now. So yeah, yeah big believer. It, it's, it, it's cool that you mentioned the, the feeling thing, right? Like you can sense things. Oh yeah. Um, the whole patriarchal society almost removes that sense from a man. It strips them from the ability to feel right and be in tune with who they are and trust themselves beyond what they were told to trust. We play um, that game though. We, despite it being suppressed, it still manifests in yeah. interesting ways, like mm -hmm. what I what I call the good dude barometer. Mm. So if you and I are talking and you ask me about somebody, and I say, and you say, hey, what about Ryan Hoover? And I say, good dude, man. If you if you know I'm a good dude, right? And I say Ryan's a good dude. That's all you need to hear. Mm -hmm. But if you say, hey, man, what about Ryan Hoover? I say, yeah, I know Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, and oh. you don't, and you don't yeah. immediately <laughs> yeah. get a good dude out of me. Yeah. It's like, huh? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it, you're still kind of, it, it's a way to, it's a way to connote feeling Yeah. without shit talking anybody or being disrespectful, yeah. you know, but you know, if a guy, the, the best vouching that you can get on a guy is from another good dude that For says sure. he's a good dude. That's yeah. why I call it the good dude barometer. Yeah. 
I like if you, that. If you say, if you if, if you say, hey man, what about such and such? I'm like, good dude, man. <laughs> That's yeah. all you need to hear, right? Yeah. It's all right. Craig said he's a good dude, right? You, if I ask you about somebody, it's like, all right, Ross says he's a good dude. That's enough yeah. for me. Yeah. Right. For sure. But we trust our feelings that way. And right. we run a lot of our business off our gut. Yeah. We do. And the good dude barometer <laughs> is a big part of that, man. For sure it is. The good dude barometer. Yeah. And it works. It does. For yeah. the most part. Every now and then somebody slips through the cracks. Right. Right. Yeah. But if you hear, if you ask somebody about such and such, yeah, I know him. Yeah. It, and that's all they say. Yeah. It's like, and you're like, oh, uh, okay. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how that plays to in, in teaching and on the range, right? The sense of feeling stuff. Uh, I really like what you were doing and I do it like, like the whole feel this, make sure that you're feeling what this yeah. feels like. The tactile yeah, elements. The sensory learning, right? The uh, somatic connection we're trying to develop in people yeah. with their bodies. Some people don't know that they can learn that way. Right? Absolutely. So giving in cueing in different ways or different words so that they, they know what they're doing, what the process is, yeah. uh, little things like, uh, when I get onto the range with a class, uh, we'll walk the range, right? See the distances, see the foregrounds, backgrounds, where everything is just so everybody's has a familiarization. Right. And I'm like, in the process, did you guys feel any dips in the ground? And then they're like, oh, right. yeah, there was this hole back there. I'm like, think of these things, right? Yeah. The environment is giving you feedback. We we do things with our bodies that yep. we just take for granted now, right? Um, when we look at a doorknob, we're processing a bunch of information. Is it one of those? Uh, is it a knob? Is it a handle? Am I pushing, pulling? Right. Do, do people even look to see if the hinges are exposed? Like right. things we, we just expect or yep. we learn. We learn on the fly and we remember. Yeah. Like I know most hotel hotel uh, room doors open inward. Yep. Right. Because you got to push in and you're coming in with luggage. So yep. it's, it's by design, um, but not all house doors open that way. Correct. So pulls and, and it's just these things that we take for granted that we, we just learn and kind of just roll with it. Um, but those are the things that we, we like to reinforce. I'm like, how does that feel? How does the grip feel? How does yeah. that feel? How did it feel when it went bang? Did you register a, that information? That's a great way to learn, man. And encouraging that kind of learning is, uh, you know, especially what I do when you were doing all kinds of close body shooting where yeah. the gun is so close to your body, you know, that's, that's way more of a tactile sensation than a visual sensation, you know? Yeah. And, it, and, and again, if it's not taught properly and that's not emphasized, that could, it doesn't have to be, but it could, if it's taught, done badly, uh, that can be a very high liability area of, of instruction. And it, it, I it can doesn't see have it putting be. people off. Yeah. Like if you don't let absolutely. them know what's happening and like how things are going to smell, feel yep. all the things like the little blast I was catching from the ports, like these things, if you and don't he was tell surprised, them, He was surprised by that. He, he was. was surprised not only that his port, his, that particular porting on that particular gun was causing him issues that had to modify the technique that I was teaching them when he modified the technique He's, he's spalling you in the face, you know, it's like, dude, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's what you want in a, yeah. in a carry pistol, you know, it's expensive gun too. Yeah. Right. And cool looking, certainly cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. But, uh, it's like, eh, but, something about, but there is all that feel, right? There is right. all that, uh, like that was just an extra layer that maybe we don't have to deal with, yep. but, but yeah, ported guns in confined spaces are going to be a problem yeah. uh, for everyone. Yep. Right. Um, and one of the guys on, on the line next to me, two or three down said, I'd never shot the gun that close 
and with no sites. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people have not used, they think that the sites matter and right. they do matter, right? At, at distances they matter, uh, but there's time and place where they don't matter. It's yeah. And body I was, orientation was going to say, even Jeff Cooper, this considered, you know, like the, the high priest of sighted fire, you know, Cooper is often misquoted about a lot of things. One of the things he said a long time ago was sites confirm stroke. So even Cooper understood that, you know, mm -hmm. yes, we're having visual confirmation of, of motion and, you know, that it's the motion that gets you, it's the motion that creates the alignment, mm -hmm. you know, the eyes just confirm what your body's doing. So I, I always think that's interesting to go back and actually see what dudes like him meant yeah. and were teaching. That's, he's, he's grossly misquoted in a lot of places that way. He yeah. understood a lot of things and I'm no... I'm no modern technique of the pistol guy, you know, I'm no weaver shooter or anything like that. But, but as far as what the man said, you know, at a kind of a macro level, he, Cooper got a lot of it right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. His original principles of personal defense, that little book is gold. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a modern book of five ranks. Yeah. That is, that is, that should be in everybody's library. Yeah, man. for His sure. Principles of Personal Defense by Jeff Cooper. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I think I, I, I in reading that one, I picked up uh, To Ride, Shoot Straight, and Always Tell the Truth. If you love Americana. <laughs> what a great God, read. God, those are great books. They <laughs> really are, man. I love those books. Another Country, those are, those are, uh, I mean, if you love Americana and, yeah. and you love Cooper describing, uh, and, and, and ascribing personalities to all the various, you know, antelope mm -hmm. that he hunted in Africa, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and, and the hand drawings and stuff like that he did. That's just, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a lost thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's also back when people packed trunks of luggage that they carried yeah. on ships for, you know, voyages across to the continent. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's a different time. Yeah. The it era, is. right? Yeah. The era was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, just reminiscing on those things is cool. I know like, it is. Man, I know. Uh, I but know. but you're right. Like right? people had these concepts and these ideas once upon a time. Uh, it's kind of like the Waldorf schools, right? Yes. The program. He, he even said it. He's like, it's not relevant right now in my time. It'll right. be relevant in a hundred years from now. Yeah. Uh, and so here we are. And now it's the, one of the most successful one yep. uh, programs uh, that people don't know about. Because uh, it does go against, you know, common absolutely yeah, education standards. But well, uh, what's the other one? The Mala. Uh, what's the other in addition to the Waldorf School? Um, there's a. It's the competitor. Yeah. Oh, why can't I think of Malasori? Montessori. Montessori. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Montessori. That's the other one. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a. Those two are compared. Yeah. Quite a bit. Actually, yeah. Scott's kids are going to a Montessori school. Nice. Well, so my two middle kids are in, uh, are they in a Waldorf school? They're in a Waldorf school. Are they really? Okay. And just Very learning cool. about how they're learning. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's the, that's like, super cool. That's what we're teaching right. adults, but right. they're teaching it to kids so that they're almost better equipped as kids in that program yeah. than some adults are with the old program. Yeah. Uh, there's no rushing grades. There's no rushing this. There's no rushing anything other than allowing the child to learn how that person, the child, uh, can gather information and then output. Yep. And I was like, well, well that's, that's what we want, right? right? We want problem solving brains, not memorization yeah. and regurgitation. Yeah. We don't want to make clones. Yeah. Yeah. And, not and, making clones. Man. So it's. <laughs> how long have they been in the Waldorf school? 
uh, a whole, they were in Montessori up until now. And now it's the Waldorf school because they, they, they decided they, they're not doing the mask thing. Okay. And they've somehow found a way to get around all of that. There's still kids. They're still playing. They're still doing their thing. All right. Um, but the Montessori wasn't going to play ball. Wasn't going to play ball. Okay. Um, and their mother was like, well, we're moving them. So she's all about doing the right thing the best that she can. So, sure. Uh, yeah. The, their experiences, are, they're shaping them really well. And I That'd like that. That would be super cool to see, like, the imprint of Montessori and Waldorf, what that looks like. Yeah. That's that's super cool, man. Good for you, man. Good for a lot. Good There's, for taking care of those kids, man. That's awesome. Trying, yeah. And yeah. again, like back to the chip There's on the no, shoulder There's no stuff. manual. There's no manual for there, it. Uh, you just do the best you can. Yeah, so yeah, it's good to hear you say that, right? Because uh, uh, there is this sense of judgment that 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 came along because I mean I'm not there directly, but we we see each other right. and we're a part of each other's lives, and it's one of those things where it's like I made a bunch of mistakes. Only sure. to to now look at it as like, well, I need to make sure this is done this way now. Right. And I think had I not made those mistakes, and I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but I mean, because it happened and I own that, yeah. uh, it, it, now there's so much value to it. And like yeah. I'm excited about being around instead. Because uh, when I was doing UC stuff, life was just fast. Yeah, it was. 18 hour days. I'd come home. I'd almost yep. ignore everybody. Blank look on my face. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. Right. Um Completely and that was hard dis- on completely yeah. disconnected from and, from your family, and it's hard on them. And they yeah, see it; it. they they remember that. Yeah. They're like, "You were there, but you weren't there." Yeah. And well, I, like, I mean, it's neglect. Yeah. It's not abuse, but it's neglect for sure. And there's a fine line between the two, man. And and neglect is just can be just as harmful as abuse for sure. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that engagement they need that a lot too. Yeah, they do um, because it's going to shape how they are with people right. and how they think they should be parents, right? Um, yeah, it's huge. It's a huge deal. Yeah, um, so it's a good time. It's definitely good to see good how they're you, all man. progressing. That's and, super cool. Yeah, thank you. It's yeah. just I, I love was, the idea of both of Montessori and Waldorf. That's super. Yeah. That's super interesting. And it, it, the whole Waldorf concept, uh, just to get back into that, was just when I started to dig, dig in and learn about it, I was like, man. Uh, but it, it goes back to, to, to Cooper and the ideas that were there. Right. Um, like seeing things, maybe not seeing them at that time, but how they would evolve to yeah. be what what it was it was written down already. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes reading old, older books, it's yeah, like, so like you go back and like, whoa, he was right. Yeah. Yeah. It's know, like it confirms yeah. what you were thinking or what you're doing yeah. now. And it reinforces and invigors you like, yes, people that he was right. And he didn't even know it. Yeah. Wow. What would he think now? Right. Right. A lot of, well, a lot of people do that with like, you know, if Bruce Lee were alive, he'd be doing MMA. If Bruce Lee were alive, he'd be doing MMA with guns, kind of like, <laughs> like you're doing. Yeah, he would have like, evolved okay, into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> we'd hope, you know. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't know, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And um, when you uh, you have a vision of something, you're like, I think this is cool. I think this is, I think this is right. And then years later. It, it turns into a thing, you know, it's, uh, it's super cool, man. Hopefully you're alive when that happens, <laughs> you know, yeah. and somebody's not rude about you to book a hundred years old, but still it, it is cool. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. Everything manifests. I, I, and like we were talking earlier, timing, right? Yeah. Timing is one of those things that, uh, 
we should learn to take advantage of if it right. feels right if it's one of those things and again right we've turned off the 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 feelings meter um and how to even understand our own feelings yeah. of, of success and failure right uh instead of understanding that feel the feelings of fa- of failing at something should be used to fuel the fire to be better not to just self-diminish and be like man i suck and then yeah. bury myself and start eating junk food and then go live in the basement. Uh, those are the feelings too that I, that, that I try to impart in people too. Like, right. Hey, it's okay to feel things. I it's think, okay to fail. Yeah. And I think you and I have that in common. And, uh, I think that's a trait with good undercover officers. Cause there's so much doing UC work yeah. that's subjective, that's ambiguous, that, there's not a playbook for. And even if they wanted a playbook, they couldn't. Couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't do it. Nope. Right? Yeah. You just got to figure it out, man. Yeah. You do. And, uh, well, that's I, why certain people are picked for certain positions. And right? I loved, dude, I loved working like that. I, yeah. I, you know, I had a lot of failures in my UC time, but man, I loved working that way. I loved the autonomy. Mm hmm. You know, I love the, the operational freedom. There was, it was just, yeah, it was right up my alley. Let me, let me do my thing. Let me figure this out. Even yeah. if I'm wrong. <laughs> so fortunately, fortunately did, that didn't kill me. Fortunately, came close, but it didn't kill me. You know, but that, that trust helps you evolve, right? It, it does. It like, absolutely cool. does. You trust right. me to do this. I'm going to yeah. do it even better yeah. instead of being micromanaged where you're just like, I'm not even going to be interested in, yeah, in that, doing this. That kills my creativity. That yeah. kills my drive. I don't want to do anything. You know, and it's even worse now when you get older, man. It's like, God, I hate being told what to do. <laughs> you know, nothing's worse. Oh. Nothing's grumpier than an old retired cop. Oh, that's Which all. We're all so grumpy. Well, you don't, don't act like what one. To do. You don't act you know, like one official. I try. So. I try not to, man. I, <laughs> do. I know a few. More more often than not, you know, I'm uh, I'm like with my girlfriend. And I'm like, damn, I sound like my grandfather. You know. Yeah. Just stop doing that. You know. <laughs> Stop, stop screaming at Fox News on the TV or something like that. You know, yeah. I said, wow, they're going to put me in the nursing home. They really are. But I'll run shit there. So. Yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> it's, uh. it's fun, man. But yeah, I, uh, nah, man, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm not, I play grumpy. I'm not grumpy. You know? Yeah. It's fun to play grumpy. It's fun to pull my age card, but I, no, I'm not a grumpy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in having conversations with you about uh, the programs and how, how they came to be and the, the situations that led to their development, uh, I started thinking back in, in all the stuff that, that we did undercover. So for us, we were a buy bus team. Yep. So we weren't doing anything more than a couple of days worth right. of, of activity before pulling somebody off the street. Um we did have the informants we did have and it's funny right because i would have two phones and i'd be on my informant phone more than i would be on my personal phone for for some time oh yeah and again that was the disconnect this was becoming a big thing it's becoming your life yeah um you have to be good at it and you can't for me it felt like i had to be good at it and almost better than this because this was already on autopilot like my life i was good at that yeah. I was, I was a happy dude and it shifted a lot of my personality. Yeah. Um, and then I had to come back. Right. You, uh, you, you had to, if you want to be good at it, you had to live it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, uh, I mean, hell I lived in public section eight housing for 60 days. Whoa. One time. You know, I, I would typically get loaned to an agency for 90 days 
all around the states. I went home for two years. You know, I'd get loaned here, loaned here, loaned here, loaned here. Because you know, shit where you you know you don't you do UC work. Try not to do. You yeah. may do uh, start off doing some small stuff UC work locally, but you know, just so you can be kind of under control of your own agency yeah. if, they, if they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, as far as running, because you know that you know so many people that work narcotics. The guys that actually wear body wires and and buy things, dope people, grenades, yeah. whatever, you know that number is. I, I'm not sure who even does that anymore at the local level. Feds still do it, yeah. But they're, uh, you know, it was a it was a small number of guys actually signed narcotics that actually did UC work, legit UC work. Yeah, when I was coming up, and I, I think that's even that's even smaller now that so. is small. Cause even on, even on our team and uh big agency. So yep. we had a, a lot of land, a lot of real estate to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. Chicago's huge. huge. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys spend more time. It, it was right. So if we took the, the 10 guys in a team, it was the one dude who was the killer fucking right. buy guy. Right. And he just fit everywhere. Yep. Look the part, can buy anything from anyone and then we would try to cycle all of us in to do buys and we would kind of be like okay this will do well there this guy will do well there but there's Uh, a guy there's a guy who lives it yeah Yeah. i was that i was so i was that guy for for a couple of years that's i lived it you know and uh you know we'd have it and it was always you know usually the guys are going there doing that kind of a little bit it's always relatively low risk stuff they're buying you know weed from middle-class white yeah. kids, something like that. They're, they're working a, you know, massage parlor, that kind of, everybody's got to break, you know, break yeah. in on working a, you know, a massage <laughs> yeah. parlor, do one of those bus just for, just for giggles. So yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, everybody kind of sticks their toe in the water, but diving face first into the pool and staying underwater, that's a, uh, that's a different critter, you yeah, know, and it, it, it is. uh, it's interesting. I did. I loved it. I thrived it. When I came out, it was time to come out. Yeah. There's no doubt. Cause you know, it just, it, it does become consuming and, you know, you can kind of lose perspective that, Hey man, you gotta be part of a team. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you are part of a team. You're not just by yourself just you out, out there. there yeah. yeah. Cause you get isolated. You do, yeah, man. You do. So and, it's, and you have to be comfortable with it and it, it has, has to be to, comfortable. You have to exude that you are just a lone dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. ab- absolutely. And and a lot of times getting loaned out to these agencies, I mean, you know. Oh, then. I mean, a lot of times, I, I'm not going to lie, I was tr- probably treated maybe a little better than informants who had charges on them Jeez. that they were working off. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun, right? Because uh, uh, that plus everything else that goes into it, yeah. right? And so you got the enforcement guys, you have the surveillance guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I like now looking back, I'm like, oh man, that, the, that Sarge that picked me up and put me on that team, he had his shit together uh-huh. because he knew where to put you until he knew where to put you later. Right. So, uh, I got picked up off of, uh, I know you from this guy. He said you were good for this, right. your background. You've done some stuff like good this. Good dude, Robert. Yeah. The good dude, bro. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's always there, man. <laughs> so it wasn't even a resume right. uh, or anything. I had to submit that later just for documentation right. reasons. Right. So they can see that there's a, I was coming in with some experience. Um, I had just come off probation. So it was like fresh, like I fast tracked in the, in the police world. Right. And then, uh, 
it was just a, just a cool, great time. It was bef- yeah. before the Chicago DOJ investigations. Okay, uh, nice. Okay, so you could have fun. Yeah, you, you can have a little bit of fun you can back do then. All right? the cool stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. before all that stuff yeah. happened, um, and then they just kind of started closing these doors and these windows. And right, there was just like yeah, and, and things changed. But it was it was a good time for me. Uh, now that I'm out, I can talk shit about those things. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I won't name any of, of the guys, but yeah, right. it's it's one of those things where. It was cool to get onto our team. And again, a buy bus team, we're not doing anything long-term. Everything's yeah. short and it's fast. Yeah, it, corner it, boys. Yeah. And it, it, and that was fun. And oh, it yeah. was in my own, like I knew these neighborhoods. Yeah. I used to walk around and, yeah, and be places and now I'm doing this. And right. you start to see uh, all the little intricacies of your city. And, and it's just so damn rewarding. Yeah. And it's scary at the same time, right? It, 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 it puts this like bittersweet taste in your mouth about, yeah. about the, the areas. But. And, and two, back in those days, at least in the, you know, in my era in the nineties, it was not personal, man. It mm-hmm. was, right. I, I ran into a guy who was in the game, in the game back when I was uh, a dope cop, you know, and, it's, and it was after I came out of UC work. So I'm a topside guy now and now doing jump outs, running my own informants, yeah. doing my own search, all that kind of stuff. So topside narcotics work. But, you know, I ran into a guy after I retired who'd been in the game and he had been and he and I back then were like the coyote and the roadrunner. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was chasing constantly. And, and he looked at me and I looked at him and he's like, dude. And I said, dude, and he's, he's fat. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm working construction. I'm like, okay. He said, what are you doing? I said, dude, I retired. He said, I heard that. I said, are you retired? He said, yeah, man, I am I'm out of game. I said, good, man. He said, oh, I got a wife and got a couple of kids, got a grandkid now. And I've just got this construction job and I'm out of all that. We just looked at each other for a second and it was like, Wow. You know, I, I'm glad we survived our youth. Yeah. But um, thinking about that and, and dude, there there were some, I mean, there were a couple of brawls between he and I, several foot pursuits, had a car chase with that dude. I mean, back in the day, he was just, he was on that, he was on rock, he was slinging small quantities of dope. He was a terrorist oh, on the corner. Yeah. He was a terrorist. Jacking other dope boys. Damn taking their pack. Yeah, he, he was, was a violent it. dude. Yeah, he was. He's a violent dude. There's no doubt. Yeah. But, uh, and he went to prison, you know, he's a fellow and everything else. So, um, but still it was never personal. Yeah. It was never personal. And even, even back when we were in our heyday, kind of, I, I remember I had him in the booking room one time and, um, uh, he asked me to uncover him, smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're anything stupid. Or he said, nah, man, we're, it's, that's out there. So um, I uncuffed him and got his cigarettes out, let him smoke. We just sat there and bullshitted for a minute. But it was like that moment when, uh, in the cartoon, I made the analogy between the, the coyote and the roadrunner. Then there was the one with the coyote and the sheepdog, mm. where they check in every morning mm-hmm. and they punch their time card. Yeah. Hello, George. Hello, yeah. Bill. <laughs> and yeah. they walk with their lunch they bales to their various go, sides yeah, their and they're thing. at each other all day. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. It was like that cartoon. It was never anything personal back then. And uh, oddly, it was uh, it was good seeing him. And I was like, man, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. And he said, dude, I'm glad you're okay. That's awesome. And, uh, and we went 
our separate ways after right. after pumping our gas, you know. So, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting moment. I was like, wow, I uh, I kind of identify with that dude, man. Yeah. I do. Well, there's something different, right? It about, is. It is different. Yeah, there's something there's something unique about being successful in certain things. Yeah, right. Where you can separate the personal from what we need to get done right. for this. Right. Right. So uh, thinking about it now, I'm like, man, the, all the dudes I debriefed, they were cool. Yeah. Once they were caught, they were right. like, nah, you got me, man. Yeah. Let's have a conversation, yeah. whatever. Exactly. Uh, they never fronted bigger shit cause we'd have to dig for that. But at that point they weren't fighting anymore. They yeah. didn't, they weren't running. They no. weren't fucking spitting at you. You're they not being yeah. disrespectful. You're not yeah. abused. And, and it's like, all right, it's, yeah, it's like just a conversation now. Yeah. We're just sitting there and we're like, some of the other guys too, who would take it personally, like the guy who started the foot chase, but tripped. Yeah, pissed that's at the it. guy. Exactly. But you catch him and you laugh at him and you're like, dude, he got away from you, but I yeah. got him. And now there's like this pissing man, right? But right. it's just it's it's banter that just happens with right. you guys. Uh, but <laughs> that, uh, man, it's such a cool thing. And it, it's, I'm glad that we can talk about these things and share these stories because sure. a lot of people will never get to experience something like yeah. that. Like, man, uh, yeah. that, that it's not even a good guy, bad guy thing. It's like two roles. Right. We both play our roles. Yep. There's nothing personal. Got you this time. I probably won't get you every time. Right. Uh, and then I know when you get away, I'm not butthurt about it. Right. When they would get away from me, I'd be like, whatever, I'll see him again later. Yep, it doesn't matter. It's cool. Uh, and I'm not like racking my brain about it and angry. Yeah. Uh, but I would see that happen with some officers and they would take things super personal. Like, like I'm going to find this fucking guy. Burn, you're I'm like, burn, why are you even talking? Yeah. yeah. When you start Dumb. talking down to people and like using words, up. like, dude, that's not, that's rough. Yeah. Um, so I had a great time as a cop man. Yeah. I, I, and people, uh, I, I treated people well, people treated me really well. And that attitude and probably kept you from getting, you know, psychologically and, emo and emotionally damaged. Yeah. You know, and bitter and shitty and, you know, and, and hurt physically. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cause, yeah. uh, and I would see it with a lot of officers. They wouldn't build relationships with people. Yeah. They, you can sense that the cop just wanted something. It's an occupying, and then it was it's like, an occupying force. Yeah. yeah. Where, where I built relationships with some of these people, uh, even the bad dudes, when we would snatch them up, I, I would have a conversation with them and I'd be like, man, this guy would probably be cool if he wasn't, you know, doing what he does. Right. Uh, kind of like when you saw the other guy and yeah. he, he was doing his own thing. He separated yeah. himself from it. Got out of the game. Yeah. And it's just, man. Yeah. Again, it's really good to share these stories because I want to go back and listen to them because I forget a lot of stories. I forget yeah, no, a lot I of do events. I can't, I was, I've had several of my guys. I, I'll still do. I'll still go and uh, do like our selection process. I'll help out with our selection process for our SWAT team and things like that. And uh, those are a lot of my guys. So. They'll remind me of stories. I'm like, I didn't, did I do that? Yeah, yeah, I did do that. Did I? <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. So it's it's funny. Yeah, it, it's you. You're like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Or I thought that happened different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. Now I'm like, man, I want to remember all my stories. I know, right? I know. <laughs> and it, and I know. it's tough. And you'll randomly remember this here, um, but I I'll remember something and then I won't dig into it, right? And then it's gone. And I'm like, well, oh, and I think I think you I think you forget about it because you're just not invested in it. Yeah. And it doesn't define you exclusively, right? You're looking more ahead than you are behind. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I, I can't remember a lot of that stuff I did. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell a story about me. You know, back home, it's like, oh, did I? No, that actually wasn't me. That was this guy. No, actually, that was me. 
yeah, it'll yeah. take me. It'll take me a bit to remember just because, you know, I'm not a I'm not a dope cop anymore. Yeah. You know, that's not what I do. That's I was at some point, but it, it certainly doesn't exclusively define me. Yeah. By any stretch of the imagination. It's part of my identity. For sure. You know, but I'm, but I'm not defined by that experience exclusively. Yeah. It's how we use our experiences, right? Yeah. Instead of uh, allowing the experiences to become us, it's how we use them. Correct. How we, how we create outputs of I, them. I, I, guide, I guide my experience. Yeah. You know, and I guide what I got from it. I don't sure. let it guide me and drive me. Yeah. yeah. So instead of becoming bitter and enraged with all the, all the, the shit that happened, right. That yep. helped develop programs, you created programs yeah, to make sure absolutely. So you Ab- guided it, absolutely guided it. And it may have started direction. off bitter and For enraged. Sure. <laughs> it may have, st- it may very well have started off that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been described by, you know, more than one person as a, at times as a, as a law abiding bad guy. Hmm. <laughs> you know, this is such a fine line. Not necessarily a good guy, man. Yeah. You know, uh, I've certainly, you know, I've, I've, I've certainly been different people throughout my life. Yeah. And, you know, I've had to here and there. So, yeah, man, just, um, you know, that, that, uh, not, not holding on to that stuff and spending maybe what was initially a negative and, you know, done for a certain motivation, Sp- spending that, you know, ar- arguably a lot of this, you know, stuff I did with fight club was kind of my own therapy for my failures. I was going to say there's UC work. Yeah, it was, yeah, there's no doubt. Now it turned into something positive. Yeah. It really did. What I didn't understand was, and I've had this discussion with other people is, wow, it was just it, me doing coursework for other people is, as cathartic for a lot of them as it was for me trying to work out my failures. So that's, that was not expected. I wouldn't, I was not expecting that. I thought, you know, I thought very superficially in the very beginning, I didn't realize that a lot of what was happening in the coursework and the effect after, um, there was a lot more going on than just the strategies and tactics of, what an entangled gunfight looks like. What was happening with people emotionally, uh, what still continues to happen with people emotionally, developmentally. So I'm a lot more judicious and careful and mindful than I was even in the very beginning of, you know, in the phone, it's just let's beat the shit out of each other. Right. You know, see what, we'll see what works. Yeah. See what happens. See what happens. Exactly. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, but there is a lot to it, right? There's a lot of the, the post effects yeah. of, of all situations that are, that are pretty yeah. violent and uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, what in growth for me too was, uh, I remember some of the decisions I had to make that were like iffy, right? right. Like teetering that line. Yep. Like, oh, Should I really do this? Right. Yeah. Um, and if I had to think of it more than once, like, fuck, what's the long term effect of this? Yeah. I'd be like, man, it's probably not a good idea. And now but your decision making process is slow. Yeah. So that's it. It's because it's tempered by speed. So, you know, you're, you're constantly in a tactical moral dilemma, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think waiver there is important. You can't waver too much. Yeah. Right. Cause then you're dead. Can't waver too little. Yeah. Then you're a psychopath. So, <laughs> you know, those fine it's lines. A, it is, man, it's a fine line. And I love that. I love that fine line of, of undercover narcotics yeah. work, dude. I loved it liked it. Yeah. It helped me look inward. Like yeah. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Um, 
I, in some of that work, I did stuff that I didn't like about myself and I did stuff that made me feel really great. And then even now, uh, a lot of my, my forward progress was looking back and allowing myself to be like, dude, you made that decision. It might've not been the best one. Uh, it's not the concept of like forgiving yourself for those things. It's coming to terms with it. Right. That's the decision you made. Yeah. And and if you can come to terms with it, learn from it and move on, live with uh, what you did. Yeah. And and or didn't do exactly those two things. right? Right. Uh, are, are huge. And, and I say that more to share my experience with, with the people listening uh, and, and other law enforcement guys and gals. Right. Uh, it's okay, right? To, yeah. to look back and let some of that shit go. The decisions were made, yeah. learn from it and move on. Because I, I know a lot of people carry a lot of things. Like uh, I hear things from, from friends and uh, other people in, uh, in, the, in the community. And I'm just like, dude, you have to know you that it's okay. That yeah, it's okay to you let gotta, it go. And you gotta it let was that a moment go. in time. You gotta let that yeah. go for sure. You were, uh, you were, you like me, like that guy, like that guy are intensely flawed, struggling people. Yeah. So. And we're all trying that, to like fix each other. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. Nobody sure. wears a cape. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you and find everything about the company? Man, they can find me all over. Uh, but uh, if you go to shivworks.com, that's the uh, website. My training calendar is posted there. You can see where I'm at. And I'm uh, available on social media. Uh, Southnark under Instagram, Shivworks, Shivworks alumni. There's a Facebook page where guys can yammer about coursework and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm relatively, I'm probably on a podcast, you know, so yeah. guys can hear me. Uh <laughs> Or, or what I'm, I'm fairly, I'm, I'm, I'm active, you know, in the community. So, and I, and I'm accessible and I, I do yeah. return my correspondence. I may not return it immediately, but I eventually do. I yeah. do eventually to return the DMS, the emails, <laughs> the Facebook messages, stuff. I, I will eventually return them. Yes. Awesome. So I'm around dude. Yeah. Uh, that accessibility is great, right? Because people do want to reach out. Yeah. So I'm sure you're going to get messages and, and hear some more stuff. So awesome. get, get ready for that. Yeah, to man. <laughs> Which is a great thing, right? It the is. bigger we can build our communities, the better. It is. And uh, it's, it's in, and again, foster, foster that community. Yeah. Build it and grow it and cultivate it. I, I'm a, and, and connect all the little, not yet, all the independent, but I would like to see interdependent mm-hmm. communities. I, I'm very interested in connecting all awesome. of them more. Yeah. yeah. You can tell, man, you're in it. We're in it. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Right? yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Well, I thank appreciate you, it. man. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. To be premiered uh, with field craft and uh, get, you. you know, get opened up to your audience and I hope to see them in coursework sometime, yeah. man. Dude, you're definitely, we're gonna have a great day tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.